Hello and welcome to Lifetimes of Learning, a production at the Buddhist Discussion Centre Australia. In our podcast series, we will be discussing the teachings and principles of Buddha Dharma, which is just as relevant today as they were 2,600 years ago. This podcast is the beginning of a series on a book titled Bringing Wisdom to Life authored by Anita Carter and Frank Carter, published by Tableau Publishing in 2018, copyright held by Buddhist Discussion Centre, Upway Limited. In this podcast, we will cover the foreword, acknowledgement, introduction, and chapter one of the book. Whether you are on the meditation cushion or on your way to work, we invite you to bring your mind inside and listen to the teachings of the Buddha. Forward. To practice Buddhism correctly, one needs proper guidelines from an authentic and unbroken lineage transmission or from those with experience. Although Buddhism in Australia offers a rich variety from many well-known Buddhist schools in the world, New practitioners can be confused with contradicting advice and overwhelmed with so many options which can be chosen. In the academic world, many writers often keep their advice tradition-specific, namely Theravada and Mahayana, later on Vajrayana. Readers, if by chance, are reading several texts from different schools are advised to speak to experienced practitioners or a Dharma master to work out how to begin their spiritual journey in Buddhism. Bringing Wisdom to Life is a good companion, written to offer readers a view, drawing from various traditions on specific topics. It is a book which blends teachings from all the major traditions, so seamlessly that we can see them simply as Dharma. No matter what tradition of Buddhism we may practice, in this approach all traditions are accessible and their usefulness and relevance in helping us develop on the Buddhist path is immediately apparent. The publishing of this book is time to coincide with the 40th anniversary of the Buddhist Discussion Centre Australia. Founded in 1978, it is one of the first Buddha Dharma centres to be established in Melbourne, Australia. I have had a long association with the teachers and members of the centre during 30 of those years. As I read Bringing Wisdom to Life, I was aware that the book distills the accumulated learning and experience gained at the centre throughout that time, and is a valuable living record of this flourishing Buddhist community. Bringing Wisdom to Life is written for the 21st century and is well suited to the conditions we now live in. It will be equally enjoyable and useful whether the reader is contemplating the Buddhist path or is an experienced Buddhist practitioner. I congratulate the authors Anita Carter and Frank Carter for writing this book to contribute to world Buddhism and for sharing their experience in a way that others can benefit from.
I recommend Buddhists and those interested in Buddhism to read it. Venerable Phuc Thanh, Abbot Guangming Temple, Braybook, Victoria, Australia. Acknowledgement. We deeply acknowledge the Buddha Sakyamuni, our founder, and the many Buddhist teachers who have had the opportunity and privilege to have met and received teachings from. The teachings in this book are a culmination of teachings given at the Buddhist Discussion Centre Australia by the founder, Mr. John D. Hughes, and various Buddhist teachers who have taught at the centre over the past 40 years. They are a practical guide for implementing the Buddha Dharma in everyday life. We thank the authors of the writings we have quoted for disseminating the Buddha Dharma in our world, making it available for us all to benefit from. We also warmly thank Alec Solman for his patient help in sourcing references used in the book. Alice Chow for helping to prepare the text for publication and Alex Sereno for his generosity and skill in addressing the grammatical shortcomings in the text and providing feedback which has enhanced the quality of the writing and content. Finally, thank you to the students who attended the many classes conducted by the Buddhist Discussion Centre Australia and who gave the authors the occasion to write the contents of bringing wisdom to life as a vehicle to hand on the precious Buddha Dharma. Introduction It's important when embarking on a new field of learning to know where to start. This is particularly the case for Buddhism. There is a vast amount of information about Buddhism published in many forms which may lead us to start at the middle, at the end, the general or the specialised, in the deep or in the shallow, or if we are fortunate, at the beginning. We may find one source from one Buddhist tradition, the next from another tradition, and possibly the contents side by side do not sit easily together. It wasn't always like this, in the distant past, students of Buddhism mostly received their information from a single source, usually a Buddhist temple or teacher they first felt a connection with, or where they were first introduced by their parents, friends or other students. There is a deep connectivity across all Buddhist traditions and at every level of the Buddhist teachings which relates to the science of the mind as discovered by the Buddha and the technology of how to finally and fully understand ourselves. This is the promise of Buddhism, the Buddha's path, which, when followed diligently, leads us to the top of the tallest mountain and from that peak, any person can see everything about themselves clearly, perfectly. This is the wisdom view, and wisdom will undo the causes of our suffering. No single book can provide everything we need on our journey to awakening. Bringing wisdom to life is offered to help you see some of the steps on your path, 
Maybe it will be your first steps, or maybe steps to help you get the next bit. But whatever you need to move along the path, at least some of it you can find in this book. Chapter One: The Happiness You Are Looking For. There are many ways of explaining Buddhism. Sometimes it is said it is not a religion; it is a philosophy or a way of living. Whatever label it has is less important than how it can help us. Buddhism is a way of living and self-training, which develops and refines our disposition, our attitudes, our behavior, and cultivates our mind on a path that produces deep personal happiness and well-being. Buddhism enables us to turn our lives into an unfolding source of inner understanding or insight of ourselves, others, and the world we experience. The teachings of Buddhism are based upon the way nature works, the way our mind works naturally. These teachings arise from the Buddha's perfectly neat, clear observation and insight into the mind and into the processes of life. The Buddha simply saw things perfectly clearly. That was the quality of his attainment as a Buddha. This is what is generally referred to as enlightenment. His incomparable Buddha mind was sublime wisdom itself, and the origin of what became the religion Buddhism. There were fifty-six religions in the Buddha's time. Why did he start another one? The Buddha saw what no one else at his time could see, what none of the other religions at that time or since have offered humanity. He saw the truth about the actual nature of the mind and body, the nature of the different types of consciousness we can experience, the nature of thought, perception, memory, the nature of feeling, the natural laws which govern our mind's functions. And the truth about the elusive nature of what we call ourself. And in recognizing this nature of mind, he also discovered a particular awareness, unseen by everyone in the noise of our mental phenomena, a unique, already liberated state which has no mental pain whatever. It is described as perfect peace. And it is named Nirvana in Sanskrit, or Nibbana in the Pali language used in the Buddha's time. The Buddha, having discovered the existence of an unconditioned state that he called Nibbana, spent the next forty-five years of his life teaching countless others the path or practice through which Nibbana could be known, each for himself or herself. It is a naturally existing state that is the goal of Buddhist practice. So many persons in our modern cultures who are not socially isolated are well educated and have affluent lifestyles, frequently experience many forms of unhappiness. This include worry, stress, anxiety, insecurity, sadness, anger, frustration. And depression. Australia, for example, has one of the world's highest rate of suicide, particularly among our youth. 
Yet our biggest cities are regarded as being among the top ten cities in the world to reside in. Our material standards of living are among the world's best. Yet our mental culture appears, by this criterion, to be nothing special. Buddhism provides the mental technology, the mind tools, and methods we need to see our own mind with increasing clarity and understanding. This is the Buddhist approach to developing and maintaining a healthy mind and a good life. Whilst we may read about Buddhism, it is not enough for us to have an intellectual understanding or even respectful appreciation of what the Buddha found out. Just as looking at food on the table cannot cure us of hunger, merely appreciating Buddhist teachings will not make us happy. As such, Buddhism is sometimes referred to as a do-it-yourself religion, because we need to apply the Buddha's advice in our own life to experience any significant benefit. So, where do we start? As we read or hear about Buddhism, we need an active intention to find something worthwhile to apply in our life, and then we do apply it. We want to apply the instructions in the same way as if we have visited the doctor, and then we go straight to the chemist so we can take the medicine quickly. What usually happens is we forget ninety percent of or more of what we read within a few days. If we forget ninety percent in a few days, why bother? Applying ten percent of what was heard will not work. It's an approach which is likely to result in only a very weak improvement. Then we may tell others, "Oh, I tried that, but it doesn't work." Active listening and reading is the opposite of passive listening and reading. Passive reading can be considered as reading to know or find about Buddhism through collecting information about Buddhism without any implementing any action steps. That is, without changing anything we do. That's how we have often learned things in our past. However, we won't understand much about ourselves from listening to teaching of the Buddha, Buddha Dharma, that way. What we hear must be translated into action. At the time we discover something new, our mind has the best understanding of why we need to change our habit and adopt a new behavior. The next day, our sense of urgency to change becomes weaker. The day after, less again. We are creatures of habit. Our habit energy is often difficult to overcome. Our best opportunity to make a change, the best conditions to make a change, is generally as soon as we understand clearly the need to change. If we keep doing what we've always done, we'll get the same result. Approaching the Buddha Dharma, the Dalai Lama has said many times that what all beings want fundamentally is to be well and happy. We did a survey of the students at a course we conducted on Buddhism to find out what they hoped to get out of the course. Most of the answers were to do with developing inner peace and happiness. Buddhism says you can certainly achieve long-lasting happiness. Ajahn Brahm, a famous Buddhist monk who lives in Perth, Western Australia, for example, 
says he he has found deeper and deeper levels of happiness through practicing Buddhism. In his words, he says he experiences happiness stacked on happiness stacked on happiness. From the Buddhist perspective, the key to achieving happiness is to understand the real causes of happiness. According to Buddhism, it is not a mystery at all. The process of how and why our mind experiences happiness and suffering is what the Buddha found out. In Buddhism, it is taught that there are two levels of reality. The first level is named conventional reality. This is the part every one of us already has understanding about. We、we'll、operate successfully in the world, but understanding conventional reality and building the skills and attitudes from childhood to relate to our life that way. However, Buddhist teachings sometimes refer to conventional reality as a deceptive reality because it leads us to believe that it is the only reality that exists. Buddhism says there is another level of reality called absolute. Or ultimate reality. This is the fundamental reality, which is not so much to do with what appears to us to be happening from moment to moment, but more to do with why things happen and how they happen. Let us explain this by using the example of the Buddha, when he was young, before he set out on his path to enlightenment. His name was Siddhartha. You may know that he was a prince who lived in a wonderful life in a royal palace in northern India. While his living conditions were fabulous, there was still discontent in his mind. He wondered about his life and the life of others. He was deeply affected by things most people tend to accept as being just part of life, such things as sickness and old age, sadness and sorrow, and finally death. He saw these things as immense burdens and difficulties, which we all must meet. His wife, father, children—in fact, everyone he knew—would have to face old age and death. And yet, at the same time, everybody he knew lived their lives seemingly unconcerned about these things. They were unconcerned because they believed there was nothing that could be done about it. Siddhartha, however, could not be unconcerned. He wanted to find out why this world was like that. He wanted to know what was the truth about life, what was really going on, what caused these different sufferings to happen in unequal measures to everybody. Was there any way that could be found which could stop suffering? This is where we get back to the difference between conventional and ultimate reality. Siddhartha was asking questions which could not be answered by understanding conventional truth. He had reached the ceiling, the limit of what conventional truth could say about the world. Even though some siddhas or yogis did perceive deeper levels of understanding than conventional reality, they could still not provide answers to Siddhartha's questions. You can read about the journey Siddhartha went on for six years as wandering ascetic, in search of what he had vowed to find out about life, and in particular to know the answers to his profound questions. 
He wanted to understand why they're suffering in life. The culmination of this extraordinary quest finally came when his mind penetrated to the level of reality which creates our conventional reality. It is referred to as being an ultimate reality, meaning there's nothing further, nothing higher, nothing more than this. Not only did Buddha access the existence of an ultimate reality, he chose to spend the rest of his forty-five years of life teaching others the method by which he could experience what he had discovered for themselves. From his perfect knowledge of both types of reality, conventional and ultimate reality, the Buddha described the engine that powers every individual's experience. Of suffering and happiness, Buddha saw that just as there are laws of nature which operate in the physical world, the many laws we recognize through science, there are also universal laws of nature which operate in the mental world. They are the natural laws of the mind. We are so used to understanding that the physical world operates on natural laws. Yet, what about the mental world? Mind is also part of nature. The Buddha saw that together, physical laws and the mind laws govern the process of life and living. From this deep wisdom, the Buddha saw how individual suffering arises. So now we come back to our own situation, the problem that arises for us, and the reason we have not already developed sustained happiness. In our lives, is that we only have knowledge of the conventional type of reality. Our knowledge is missing fundamental parts of the process through which our happiness and our happiness come to us. In our lives, we have learned through science the horizons of what we can see are ever expanding. Through quantum physics, we can see into the infinitesimally small dimensions of reality's building blocks. Through astronomical research, we can see back through millions of light years in time, and yet this all these astounding visions are in the world outside of ourselves. Our inside world, really, we don't see much at all. We see further and further outwardly. Not far at all inwardly. Why do you think that is? Our mind is all we have got to deal with the events and processes in our life. Buddhism says it is possible to understand our own mind, and it is most important thing we need to understand and develop. The quality of our moment by moment experience of life is most determined by the quality of our own mind. There are approximately forty volumes of Buddhist text explaining what the Buddha found out, and the methods Buddha taught his students so they could develop their own minds to see ultimate reality directly for themselves. How do we get a vantage point that can help us use this knowledge to move forward in our own lives? One natural law that is used in Buddhist philosophy is the law of karma. If we understand it correctly, it is a key to learning what Buddhist practice is all about, and setting out on the path to our own true well-being and happiness. This is the law of karma, 
or the law of cause and effect. Law of Karma. The Buddha taught that the origin of reality itself is from cause and effect. The law of karma holds that every action we do intentionally, either through our body, speech, and mind, produces an effect that will be experienced by the doer at some time in the future. These actions we do may be one, morally good, kind, and helpful actions to ourselves or others. Which by nature produce outcomes that are beneficial and conducive to the happiness and well-being of the doer. Two, morally neutral actions, which by nature do not contribute either positively or negatively to the well-being of the doer. Three, morally bad, unkind, and harmful actions to ourselves or others, which by nature produce outcomes of harm. Difficulty and unhappiness for the doer of the actions. As some Christian teachings put it, "As you sow, so you will reap." The law of karma applies not only to our physical world but also to our mental world, and is the origin of the unfolding experience of every living being. It is described that each action of our body, speech, and mind. We do with the intention plants a seed or cause in our consciousness, which will fruit at some future time into an event or experience we will have. When we actually experience the result or effect of these seeds, it's similar to what happens in nature. When we, if we plant the seed of a tree, it does not grow up instantaneously. It is in the soil unseen by us. When the natural supporting conditions such as moisture, heat, and light are right, it germinates, and then we see it. It is described in Buddhism that our karmic seeds are the causes for all the events and experiences we have in our lives. As we live each event and each experience, we use up and exhaust some of our karmic seeds. As these karmic results are being experienced. According to our mind's responses, we are also making new causes. Our morally bad or unwholesome karmic seeds fruit when we experience hardship, sorrow, and difficulty. Our morally good or wholesome karmic seeds are used up when we experience such things as honor, wealth, and happiness. Accordingly, Buddhist teachings explain. How we live our life each day, the type of actions, speech, and thinking we generate are the raw ingredients, the source from which our future experience arises. All the forms and types of Buddhist practice or the different traditions are based on this premise. Therefore, we、we'll、begin with this explanation about karma. As we look at different aspects of Buddhism. We can start to appreciate how and why Buddhism works, and how it can work for you in your life if you choose to practice it. This concludes Chapter One of the book titled "Bringing Wisdom to Life." Thank you for listening to our Lifetimes of Learning podcast. To listen to other chapters of this book and our other recordings, please go to our website. www.bdcu.org.au and click on Dharma Teachings.
or you can go to our online World Buddhist Radio station from our website by clicking on Buddhist Radio. May you be well and happy. May all beings be well and happy.